gentlemen and lady, soon we shall embrace the power of our creation. With this we shall rise, we will dominate. Is it ready yet? Patience, my friend. Patience. Everything is according to plan. But will it work? <laughs> of course. What is it? Can we really trust this thing? This is Zero Cell. Zero Cell? That's right. Zero Cell is a bioweapon. Perfectly engineered by AI computer simulations in real time. We call it the real-time experience. Hidden inside computer electronics distributed worldwide, Project Blue Box fueled the strength of these simulations. In other words, the more people who use computer electronics with the Blue Box AI simulations embedded on it, the more powerful the creation of Zero Cell got. <laughs> Blue Box, huh? Project Blue Box is founded by Team 74. Team 74? Team 74, kid, was a top secret association of the world's top scientists in all fields gathered by the government of the United States in 1974. Together, they founded Project Blue Box and prepared for the creation of Zero Cell. The creation of Zero Cell was nothing more than a computer program, creating another computer program by itself. But with Blue Box, the computer program went further and installed computer programs on humans, calling it the Human AI. This powerful weapon eliminates human targets by their weakness. Hello and welcome to Triangle Square at a PlayStation podcast. I'm your host, Brett Beck, and alongside me, as <clears throat> always, is Mr. Saul Bridges. Saul Bridges, Breakout Lucky, <laughs> episode 261. And alongside me is the Academy Award winning emmy nominated Oscar <laughs> eponymous award winner chris figs hello everybody how are you are you <laughs> God, dude okay there were there were there were i didn't even realize some of the words that were missing in that and it threw me the fuck off i'm sorry i didn't mean to swear it threw me off immediately <laughs> well Welcome to the show. Uh, you may have noticed that there was a dramatic reading of something at the beginning of this show. And if you have been keeping even the smallest of keen eyes on uh, abandoned, you should have at least been able to kick up, uh, pick up the fact that everything in relation to it uh, was basically Kojima minus all the finesse and bravado. Uh, so we will, of course, start this show off with the most interesting, weird, out there, Potentially fake, who knows, rumor of the week um, in that Abandoned has been leaked. And what we read off was a dramatic reading, just to have some fun, of 
the truly, truly amazing Exquisite. Oscar. I mean, what are, what are that? Was it a BAFTA? Would they win a BAFTA for that? Would a BAFTA <laughs> Pulitzer Prize potentially? But yeah, you know, it would bring peace to the whole world. There might be a, a dice uh, award. Yeah, who knows? But you know, a Teen Choice that Award perhaps is what we chose to read of the potentially real, potentially not leaked blue box, um, abandoned uh, script. Now the. Things apparently comes down to this may not be the current version uh, or even in the current version of the game if the game ever will actually come out and make it or if it's still even truly genuinely being developed by any standard. But that is what we have. There are some other pieces that kind of come alongside this. Um, In the same leak, there were mentions of... Uh, there was a screenshot of a bunch of just random stuff from the game. One of them being a screenshot of a brick wall, <laughs> which makes no sense. One, a screenshot of what looks to be the man who was in the teaser walking across the wooden floorboards, but instead standing out in the open potentially uh, with water around him and with silent Hill plastered underneath it, which leads to all sorts of interesting things because the leaker in question Claims that these came from all of the information claim, uh, came from Hassan Karman himself uh, and appears, though somewhat sketchily, to show an exchange uh, in Twitter DMs between Hassan Karman's account and his own. But it is hard to verify because where Hassan's actual Twitter uh, handle should be is r- marked out with red so we are left to kind of just implore as we will with what this is but we figured if nothing else a fun dramatic reading of a very very over the top plot line would be a good way to start the show off but now that we're here first of all let's just go ahead does anybody else have anything they want to add in about all this abandoned craziness chris i know that you were talking about it earlier (laughs) this week so go for it What what are your thoughts I just want to say that this sounds like if Hideo Kojima wrote a Batman story starring the Scarecrow. Okay. That's what it seems like this is. Yeah. Cillian Murphy deciding to come around. (laughs) Fear. Yeah. Now, I liked what you said the other day when you first shared it, uh, and I didn't mm. get a chance to look at it until right before we were recording, uh, but you said this sounds like really bad Metal Gear Solid uh, fan fiction. <laughs> fan fiction, yeah. And that's it does. not entirely wrong. That's exactly nope. what it sounds like. Uh, Saul, you, you of course, saw a little bit more as well as opened my eyes to the leak that I didn't see at all or didn't even know about, which is the uh, Silent Hill logo potentially falsely being added after it was leaked by Hassan. But regardless, it's clear that the picture is meant to be inspired by the Silent Hills trailer that was at the end of PT where you saw Norman Reedus walk through the town and the camera kind of pans down to where you see him walking and you see his feet moving. And that's what it looks like they're they're either trying to rip off or whatever. Uh, so what are your thoughts on all that? I am... Uh, if this is real, I don't think I have any more i'm sorry any less respect for someone that i do in the gaming industry than this man (laughs) if this is real yeah there's a lot of ifs ands or buts here um at this point it's hard to feel like there aren't just people who are out there to troll and get at him even if he does or doesn't deserve it maybe he does maybe he doesn't so if this really isn't coming from him and instead someone who decided to 
change their Twitter handle to something very close and change their actual Twitter display name to Hassan Karman and have a good time and write this incredibly interesting fan fiction that clearly tries to be derivative of uh, a Kojima story. I could see this being all fake, or I could see this being someone who's trying to punch well above his weight and do something that he just doesn't doesn't have the uh, the experience that Kojima does. Because you know, in reality, a lot of Kojima's stories are just as over the top and kind of crazy, and sometimes on the nose. But he manages to pull it off. And whether that's just being a good director and knowing how to direct your people to give the performance for the choice that you choose to make with your with your story and, of course, your writing. Um, or if it's... I, I don't know. It's hard to tell. But <laughs> as reading through that kind of gave us, it just feels surface, like surface layer. You know, like it's trying to be deep and find stuff by going through obvious ways of like, we're going to put our studio name in there by saying it was... Project Blue Box, Team Seventy. Yeah, <laughs> and we're gonna we're gonna make jokes about the real time experience app. We're gonna we're gonna try and add layers of it and say, oh, the real time experience app that everyone installed has actually been working to slowly infiltrate everyone's brain. Like it's so on the nose that it's hard to believe that it's real, but at the same time, it just could be. <laughs> so if we don't have anything else we want to talk about with abandoned, I think we can uh, abandon that conversation and move on with the typical intro of the show. How are you guys feeling about that? Sure. I want to abandon that joke you just made. Oh, thanks, man. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I have a much worse joke to follow it up with, but I'm not going to do it. Uh, anyway, we'll talk about that later. Maybe I'll remember. Uh, if you are unfamiliar with the show, we are, of course, fans of gaming who look at the uh, gaming industry through the lens of being PlayStation fans. But as many of us know, we all own other com- uh, other consoles. So we have the Switch, PC, Xbox, uh, as Saul has a Series X that just sits there untouched, unturned Getting on because he has a gaming PC. <laughs> but nonetheless, he has it and he plays the Xbox Dusty. games. He just tends to play them on computer, I feel like, if you even play them at all lately. Well, no, it depends. Uh, so I'll, I saw I'll let you continue on your It Depends by opening up. We always start the episodes off by checking in on what each other has been playing so that we can get an update on each other's uh, gaming. And, of course, you, the listeners, can as well. So, Saul, what you've been playing and uh, how might that play into the It Depends of Xbox? Uh, well, I haven't played anything on Xbox, so <laughs> I guess I guess It Depends. Is it, Did you play Infinite I, on there? No. I haven't played anything like like on my Xbox at all. Like I, I mean, it depends. Like it depends on what game. Nine times out of ten, if it's like a crossplay game, I'm gonna probably play it on my Xbox just because of how ease of use it is. Uh, well, what I really mean is, since you've gotten the Series X, besides like yeah. the first days of screwing around with it, have you played games on it at all? Other than like Infinite, I played Infinite on there. So yeah, yeah, I that's what you I meant thought. Re- Infinite recently. <laughs> No, I didn't. I, I didn't think you had, but if you had, then uh, you can please regale us on how the game's doing because uh, I gave up on it. I may have really enjoyed it, but it uh, it's it's lack of trying to understand and fix its server issues with all the server lag that they were having and the just piss poor battle pass and update plans. <laughs> it just kind of made it to where it's like I'm okay with dropping this game at this point. So yeah, that's kind of how I've been. Um, but in terms of what I've been playing this week, um, my week didn't go like as planned as I wanted it to. Um, so I've, I was intending to play a lot of Mass Effect. 
I didn't. I actually only got to play like maybe four or five hours of it between like Saturday and some on Sunday. Um, try to think if I've really played anything else this week. This is it's been really weird. Like lately with work, I've been having to stay a little bit later some nights. So like I'll get home and we'll just watch Sopranos, which is a really good show. Um, but yeah, like I I haven't really played anything. Um, I did start up Diamond, Brilliant Diamond. Nice because I nice. do want to finish that. I, that's one of my favorite gen like or games in the series like that generation. And um, I. I really actually like the art style of that game. Um, I really enjoy it. People were disappointed with the game because it didn't live up to like Alpha Sapphire and Omega Ruby. But I didn't like for me myself, I didn't really intend on it too. So I didn't really get my hopes up as high as some people did, Um, which I know it sucks for them because those games were like 10 out of 10 Pokemon games, in my opinion, like by far. It's interesting that you say the that. And and I understand that like you, it's easy that you can come in with your own thing, but I'm curious for you, why in your like in your mind was there not an expectation for the game to have essentially graphics that surpass the previous new uh, generation title, as all games that have come as a result essentially have. And so, so, I mean, you know, you look at like fire, red leaf green looks better than like, you know, the original uh, Sapphire Ruby uh, that came before them. Uh, And then whenever we had diamond, platinum and pearl, and then eventually heart gold and soul silver came out, it was an improvement on that. And at least a similar style with a little bit of an improvement. Uh, And then we saw the same with alpha Sapphire and Omega Ruby. Uh, So I think I find it more interesting that you wouldn't have expected it to carry forth an improvement on the art style established by the one before. But I think I might have, you know, as I'm talking, was it the fact that it was announced that it wasn't being developed by Game Freak that kind of led you just kind of be like, oh, I can't expect the same thing as Game Freak would would have done anyway? Is that where it kind of came from? Or did you just not care and you're willing to take whatever form of art they gave you because you just wanted a remake of the game? I'm just kind of curious as to why the expectation didn't quite exist. It, it was it was so but I, I, I clearly a lot of people had issue with it <laughs> yeah and i was one of those that's like you know it's it, like as a still image it's kind of like it's not bad it's it's not goofy but it's it's the more and more i look at it it's it truly is the art style of those games like of like heart gold soul silver diamond pearl platinum it's truly a, just a more polished version of the so like once I didn't, it wasn't like a hump I had to get over, but like once I kind of really just r- truly realized that that's what it is at its core, I was fine with it. I was perfectly fine with it. Um, yeah, it's kind of goofy. Like the animation, like the facial animations are kind of goofy and stuff like that, but it's, it's a, it's a chibi game. So I'm not, I'm not, my, my expectations for those kind of games are never high anyways. Like if, um, I don't have like an example off the top of my head of a game to compare it to that's like that where um, I didn't go in expecting like like even like massive expressions because like chibi games typically don't have that. Um, or I should say not massive expressions because they typically do have massive expressions. They typically don't have detailed expressions. Um, it's typically cutesy kind of expressions that they normally go towards. 
and that's yeah. fine. Um, would the Diamond of Pearl have that? So I'm kind of fine with that. So for me, it's more of <clears throat> I just kind of lost interest, and I think I lost interest because of everything that was coming out around it. Um, Elden Ring was not too far behind it. Uh, uh, not Witch King, um, Witch Queen. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like now that I've caught up on that, it's giving me a reason to play it. So um, I downloaded that, or I actually never uninstalled it, but I restarted that for just a little bit. Played, I think, three hours of it. I think around two hours into it, maybe. Uh, and that's okay. kind of been it this week. It's been really slow, but it's been, I've been not busy, but I've been doing other things like rollerblading. Uh, I got right back into rollerblading. Um, I also got <laughs> yeah. into, um, or I didn't get into, but I got more disc golf like played this week too. So, well, you know, speaking of brilliant diamond, I remember when they first showed it that my insistence, and I still believe that this is a pretty close comparison is that the characters from the Pokemon game kind of look at the Fisher price, little people that, <laughs> that you can buy. Um, but more uh, you know what i think it kind of was for me is that it reminded me and i'm not really surprised because it was an art style that was a little weird to get used to for their choice at least with um the zelda remake that they did for uh link's awakening yeah and to me brilliant diamond shining pearl kind of almost look like that because like the characters almost look like plasticky a little bit their hair has like a plastic sheen to it and like the trees aren't quite as plastic looking, but I kind of see more similarities with that game than I felt like I expected. And I, that was a big thing for me. Now, playing the game, I don't think that, that that's what took me out of it. I think I'm just kind of, I get Pokemon out real easy these days. And I, I think it's just the nature of having played a little too much Pokemon in my life. Yeah. Um, at the end of the day, they're all kind of similar games. So I guess that that's the aspect of like Omega, Ruby, and Alpha Sapphire. I think what made those so fun to me is that aspect of coming to a game you're familiar with with new mechanics that you've never played in a Pokemon game. And so that's the exciting part. And I think that's like why uh, Legends Arceus did so well because that's another game that came out like shortly after Brilliant Diamond, if I remember. Um, yeah, I have to play that too. I have played that. And it's actually really like that game a lot. Uh, yeah, and that has that... that kind of novelty right where it's uh it's it's something that you're familiar with in terms of pokemon in the world and whatnot but with all these new elements that you weren't quite used to and i think that that's what made games like omega ruby and alpha sapphire and whatnot fun it's like ah i know these games but now like in i get to have this sneak mechanic and i get to have this these new mechanics for filling out the pokedex and i get to fly latios and latias around the map and spot portals and drop down and find them i felt like it made the games feel new in a way, because it was like, hey, we're remaking them, but we're also bringing a lot of new ideas to it. Whereas this one kind of was just like, if you've played Pokemon, you know, Diamond, Pearl, Platinum, you've kind of played this game. And the irony is I didn't even play those, but they felt as old as that. I, I played them a little bit. I never beat them. Uh, and it still felt like I was playing that old of a game. Like it didn't have that tinge of newness that I feel like yeah. may have compelled me to get a little deeper into it. I honestly think that like that's kind of, I don't want to call it a problem, but it's kind of the caveat with Pokemon games is that actually, I think it's, I think it's a caveat for Pokemon and some final fantasy games too. Um, yeah, that if you didn't grow up with some of them, I'm not trying to like gatekeep them, but it's kind of hard. Like for me, a lot of people did not like Octopath. 
at all. Oh, yeah. But I think a lot of the people that did not like Octopath, um, at least the few that I've talked to personally, they didn't grow up with classic Final Fantasy games. And that's not to say that if you hate Octopath, you hate classic Final Fantasy games. But I've talked to a person. Um, you may you may know him uh, in town. I'm not going to dox his last name, but his, his first name is Justin. He works at Best Buy. I think I might know who you're talking about. Yeah. Uh, what's up, Justin? So, I don't yeah, know if you're up, listening, Justin? but if you are, what's up? <laughs> I had a conversation with him at Best Buy last time I was there with uh, Seth. And we were talking about Octopath, and we and and we both concluded that like, if you go into Octopath for a a story that is a solid like 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 a Final Fantasy six story or like a Final Fantasy seven overall story, you're not going to get something on that kind of grandeur. But if you go in and you expect character stories, you're going to be way more than welcomed with it because that's truly what the game's about is it's about the eight individual characters and their stories and i get how some you know, people it, it could wear out on but that's i love i it, love octopath traveler octopath's way it handles its story and being a little bit more character driven while still having an, a larger world lore kind of reminds me of uh tactics in the way that it presents its story and how it strongly ties its story and the world lore and all of the stuff that's happening in with the fact that you get to really see how that looks through the lens of a very select group of characters and how those characters interact with each other whereas like if you look at like final fantasy one it's like it's more of a grandiose overarching story where it's a little less about the characters and a little more about the warriors of light in general and the concept and how that plays in with the ultimate you know bad guy um uh, uh, chaos <laughs> as, as we know i still that. need to play that game but, too that's on my list yeah so I, but I, I get what you mean but i think what and if, it's true to an extent if you're coming into the game without the and it's not like you said it's not impossible but if you're coming into the game without the nostalgia one of the aspects that could carry it for you is suddenly is missing the nostalgia. For you. yeah but there's some people that can play into it and it's they don't have nostalgia but they still love it for the uniqueness of it but the nostalgia is one element that can help pull you when everything else hasn't quite clicked with you and it can potentially lead you along in enough of a way to where you're you're in it and then when everything else starts to click you're like yes here I am. I've, I've finally got the whole game kind of gripping me instead of just being pulled along by a few strands of what makes the game the game. Yeah, and that's that's why I think that if you go into like if you go into these games like Triangle Strategy, like Octopath, um, there's there's definitely more than that that are retro inspired RPGs. If you go into them thinking I'm gonna get a Final Fantasy six or five or four three two one like caliber of story out of them, um, remember that 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 the story is not only what makes those games phenomenal. And I feel like people, a lot of people, often forget that they'll come out and they'll say, "Yeah, Octopath wasn't great," and I'll be like, "Well, well it wasn't great." And they're like, "The story was just okay." I'm like, "Okay, that makes sense," but for me, it was great because the story was. The overall story was man, like yeah, it wasn't wonderful, but it wasn't bad. But the character stories were great. The soundtrack was great. The art was great. The gameplay was great. So overall, as a game, it was I loved it. So yeah, it's kind of the same thing with like Diamond and Pearl in a weird way of like it brought me back to that nostalgia of those games. So for me, and for those that play it, have that. But if you don't, you know. I kind of get what you mean, like by kind of like, yeah, it's just a very basic 
uneventful Pokemon game, especially compared to new ones. Yeah, you know, I think it's a problem that all remakes have to kind of deal with. And it's this idea of, do you want to be a true one-to-one remake like we got with like Medieval? And as much as some people were glad to have that, that remake kept a lot of the issues of the date of which that game was made because it's part of what makes that game what it is to so many people. But when you bring it up to a new audience, sometimes what it is that makes that game, that thing, it's not even about necessarily nostalgia, but it's because expectations of games are so different. If you're a new player who's never played medieval and you don't have just a crazy love for older styles of games, you play that and it's like, couldn't they have remade the game, but brought forth a lot of modern amenities that come with this to try and make it, the best of both worlds where it's like people who played the original will find a way to love it for what it does to stay true to the original, but it also brings the gameplay in certain aspects forward enough to where it doesn't feel like an entirely dated game. And you kind of have to balance that. Oh yeah. And I think that that's what most remakes kind of have to play. There's a fine line. Uh, Some people talked about that with the shadow of the Colossus remake. Uh, Some people didn't like that. They had changed the, uh, the default control scheme to be far tighter and make a little more sense. But that's why they also included the option to play with the original PS2 controls if you wanted to. And, it, you know, it's kind of an interesting idea that even Demon Souls had to kind of play with a little bit. Uh, but remakes are a, a hard thing to, to handle because you want to make both sides of the the existing fandom and the potential new fandom happy. Um, you know what's crazy? I just but, don't realize. You know, so I, did, I actually did play one other game this week. It was Bounty Hunter, which is a Star Wars game that came out like 2003. I remember that. Like four. I didn't play it much, but I remember that, yeah. I had it. I bought it when it was like $10. Because it, it's similar. It's a PS2 game on PS4, right? And I bought it. And I forgot what I was doing, but I was sitting there. I was like, I want to play that. So I, I re-downloaded it and started playing a little bit of it. And that's another like example of like, as a kid... Or as like like a younger like person playing games for me, I played that game and I remember like I definitely would know how I remember that game, and I definitely know that it was not how it was now. But there's value in like the fact that that's how I remember the game, even though it's not. Yeah. Even though it's it's like there's value in that rose tinted glasses kind of thing. So, um, I get it when people say like, "Oh, this is not the game for me" or whatever. And for me, it's like one of the first things I asked somebody if we we're having a conversation about like Octopath is like, I didn't like Octopath. I'm like, well, did you play any of the classic final fantasy games? And if you say no, I completely understand where you're coming from because it's hard to play that kind of game. If you have it, if you, if you didn't play those games or, or I should say it's kind of hard to play that game or it's not hard to play that game, but I can see where your opinion comes from had not having played those games. Not that it's hard, yeah, but it, it hits home. It, it hits home a little bit differently. <laughs> Yeah, Chris, what have you been playing? All right, Chris. Um, I haven't been playing too much. Of a good amount of unpacking, which is surprisingly fun. I like that game a lot. Uh, My wife's been playing that game on the Switch. Yeah, it's cool. I like it. Um, I'm glad it came to PlayStation. I've been wanting to play it. I didn't know it hit consoles at all. Last time I checked, it was on phones. And yeah. I was like, man, I'd love to play that on console. <laughs> well, there it is. Um, but yeah, other than that, it's just been some Fallout New Vegas. This might be the one that breaks me. I don't know if I'm going to finish this one. I got to be honest. <laughs> I'm <Yeah>. very done. <laughs> Chris, I believe in you. You can do it. 
I can. That's the thing. I just don't want to. <laughs> like, I don't have anything hard left. Yeah. It just sucks because I don't have anything hard left, but I've just played so much of it. And, like, I, it wore out its welcome. And the rest of the stuff is like, I got to play 25 more games of Caravan, shoplift 50 pockets. You know what I mean? I'm like, I just don't want to do this. Not to mention, I you have know, to go find the all the bottle caps, the sunset sarsaparillas or whatever. Ugh. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yuck. There's something about when you love a game and then someone who is a big trophy hunter asks you if you have the platinum and then they kind of like, even if it's lightly, like you feel like they're slightly shunning you because you don't have the platinum yet you claim the love of the game. And I'm like, mm-hmm. why can't I love a game without wanting to go through the bullshit that the game makes you do to get the platinum? Because the reason I don't have a platinum for either version of the original Nier, be it the remake or the original, is because of one trophy that I knew was going to be super annoying. And it's getting the upgrade materials to upgrade every weapon all the way up. And I just don't... I love that game. I love, love, love it. I did every other trophy without a problem. I enjoyed doing the trophies until I got here. And it's just a grind. And I'm like, what makes this game fun is all the elements of the gameplay, the characters, the story, all the action coming together. And whenever I'm trying to do this upgrade, it's literally just grinding one section of the game so that I can potentially get what I need. And it's super annoying because it's like it's the worst version of the game that you're making me do this to, to just to get a, to get a trophy. But it doesn't mean I don't like the game. So, yeah, I don't know. Do you feel like you're like betraying yourself a little by, by not getting the platinum because I kind of feel that way. But I mean, a little bit. It's one of those things where it's like it's at 91 percent. And I'm like, it's so close. And it is. It would take me like five more hours, realistically. I'm just not interested. <laughs> I'm just not down. <laughs> <laughs> and, and But it's funny because I'm still going to play Fallout 3 like soon. I just can't do New Vegas anymore. Do you not think you're going to have any burnout from New Vegas on 3? No, 3 is a perfect video game. I love 3. Okay. I want to play 3 again. New Vegas was one of those things where I was like, it would be cool if 99 and 100 were Fallout New Vegas and Fallout 3. And I'm like, I, it would be cool if uh, number 100 was Fallout 3. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Poor Fallout New Vegas. It's also a lot easier, too. I know how to get that much faster. Fair. I think, realistically, Fallout New Vegas has got a lot of interesting weird layers that make getting the platinum more annoying (laughs) but that's the thing i'm saying which is the craziest part like for me is i did all the endings that's all done like all the hard stuff that was like made it super annoying i just finished my hardcore playthrough so it's just these like miscellaneous quote-unquote easy things that yeah uh not just don't care yeah yeah i feel all right anything else besides that um i've been grinding my mlb the show team they're getting pretty good. Um, starting to get to the higher ranks there. That's pretty fun. I'm not sure how much. I see that old uh, B-Rod showed that he pulled apparently some really good pull from the, uh, the what's what are the, what's that called? Diamond the, the packs you can do. Diamond yeah, that's, that's like a 200,000 stub card, which is like. I'm assuming that's high. That sounds high. That's like 250 real dollars if you were going to buy it outright. What? Oh my god! Maybe more. This man pulled a ghost rare. Uh, hold on. Let me. Let me Dark uh, magician. No, I was gonna say ghost rare. Derek Jeter. <laughs> <I mean, laughs> this sounds so weird. <laughs> and the thing is, it's not even the most valuable card in the game. It's one of them, but not the most. Saul, 
You know what I'm waiting on just because you happen to say that? I'm waiting for the day that they start mixing the rarities and we're oh, going to have no. a maximum gold ghost rare. <laughs> oh, that's going to be sick. Dude, imagine that the, the card art is still outlined in gold, but all the stuff that you should it's see like underneath silver. color-wise is the silver. Yeah, Chris, that's... I don't know if I've shown you a ghost rare card for Yu-Gi-Oh! in person yet, but they're sick looking. Cool. Yeah, I don't they're think really so, cool. but they're like one of the highest, if not the highest rarity. I think it's ultimate rare is actually higher than ghost, isn't it? In terms uh, of value. Well, no, ghost rare is normally the highest, but there is, is ultimate and then star foil. Those are both. Those are all kind of up there. Uh, anyway, Yu Gi Oh sign. We pl- we played plenty of Yu Gi Oh. Mad as tends to be the case. Uh, speaking of which, which, Chris, if if my boys down here don't have it, I know you bought quite a bit of Eldorado. I might need a couple of cards from you for my new deck uh, that are completely. Okay. They're just rare where the name only is hollow. Um, I just don't feel like having to buy them uh-huh. because. And none of the sellers are the same for me to buy the ones I need. So I'd have to spend extra money and shipping from a bunch of different people to get one of of random cards. Yeah. And I would rather just pay the shipping from you to get all the cards if you happen to have them. But we will, we'll, we'll see. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll look it up and see, see what I got. Big bet. We'll talk about it later. We, we still got to figure out your Melfi deck. We'll, we'll do that. No, I believe I want in my you. Melfi's I, to I, work. <laughs> Big mommy Melfi. <laughs> oh, healthy mommy, baby, bro! Oh God! All right. So besides uh, besides New Vegas and Fallout and unpacking, anything else of value of of note? Um, I mean, I started Resonance of Fate. Uh, I played a the little PS3 bit of game? the PS3 game. Yeah, it's pretty good. Oh, nice. I like it. I got a little confused of where to go and put in Alpha Protocol, so I played some Alpha Protocol too. That I was just about to bring really up Alpha good. Protocol. Really, I adore Alpha Protocol. Dude, yeah, if if Dude. if Phil Spencer make has Obsidian make an Alpha Protocol game, somehow I'll be very happy, man. They announced they bought the IP from Sega. Oh, I would be so happy. I'd buy an Xbox. <laughs> you know, while we're talking about PS3 games, I'm going to go ahead and uh, <clears throat> bring in the fact that I have exclusively played X Men Origins Wolverine. Let's all go. Week, and I beat it. I beat it yeah. last night. Dude, that game is so good. It's yep. so good. It's I awesome. cannot believe that in the it's it's one of those things where like that came out the same year as Arkham uh Arkham Asylum. <laughs> and I don't don't get me wrong, I'm not saying by any means that Arkham Asylum doesn't deserve to be the one game that gets the praise of showing that licensed games can be so much more because in all honesty Arkham Asylum is a far more polished game and it knows what it's doing a little bit more. Yes, X-Men Origins is a very close second in terms of two, uh, in terms of being before like 2009 or before and just mm-hmm. understanding so well what makes that it's super fun. Yep. And even though the story is kind of the pacing's a little wild, overall, good lord Saul. <laughs> That's a real trailer. But, oh, Overall, the pacing of the story being a little wild, which is not surprising when the movie that it's based off of story is pacing is is crazy. Yeah, the story in this game is far better than the story in the movie, and it's oh, actually yeah. better told, and it's yep. more interesting in all aspects. It 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 brings in far more cross media from the X Men you know world uh, and different characters, and I had a blast. When yeah. I, I'm a little annoyed that. There are trophies I didn't get that I 100% did 
you know the trophy whenever you fight the blob in the supermarket you've got to de- destroy all items yeah i did that and it didn't pop during the fight so i thought maybe i have to beat the fight before it goes beat the fight never popped but i there was nothing else to break so i'm never know yeah, i would be are you going back are you going to do the guided platinum run i don't know also i only missed three mutagens four dog tags uh and that was it that was it i got all of the the floating upgrades that you could get for health like the little Mm -hmm. dna helix Uh, i was very close without a plan and i found all of the easter eggs without nice Nice. yeah i'm pretty proud of myself if i'd if i would have gotten on my myself a little harder i'd have had it so maybe if i I motivated you a little bit before yeah it's not that hard it's just paying attention well it's the kind of thing where like I genuinely didn't know if I was going to love the game, but I will say that first night putting it in, I went from, I'm going to play this for 20 minutes before I've got to go to bed to suddenly it was one o'clock and I'd been yeah. playing for an hour and 20 minutes. And I was like, bro, I got to go to sleep. <laughs> and that was enough to tell me like, I think I really like this game. And the more I played it, the more it was just kind of like first and foremost, I said this to Blake the other day too, because we were talking about just in general as just a side point, if you can get your hands on a PS3, it is an infinitely playable system still. Yes, it, it does is. help that I was able to play the entirety of this game using my DualShock plugged in with a micro USB to the PS3 because the DualShock 3 is significantly harder to play with. It's very loose analog sticks. I like and I was having a really hard time adjusting. Yeah, um, I can see that. I don't I don't hate it, but adjusting down from the DualShock 5, which is what I played all of the DualSense rather, that I played all of Infamous 2 with was mm. like, whoa. Yeah, this is I bad. Like I, I can't. Like it felt like everything I was doing on the analog stick was just like, like <laughs> I felt noodly. Um, but dude, that I just I am very surprised that, that game is as good as it is. And you kind of stoked me to look into the uh, into the history a little bit more. Whenever you started talking about the fact that the movie was delayed, so that gave the game more time to be polished. Yep. Uh, and the more I looked into that, that is true. Uh, secondarily, though, the game was in development, and most of the Africa section of the game that's in the game was mm-hmm. already, for, from at least what I found, it seems to be true, was already in the game, as well as Wolverine's combat kind of focus and his character model and different things like that. They had already been building up for a separate Wolverine game that they were going to make. before it was brought up that hey we're doing a movie we want to tie this in and make it a tie-in game and that's why the story is pretty drastically different and that's why you have those two timelines is that the original story was supposed to mostly play around the africa section Mm -hmm. and go deeper into that and then they had to find a way to kind of bring that together with the stuff that came from the movie and yeah. you can also kind of tell because any of the areas that are in in the movie, 100% in the movie, look like the level was just thrown together really quickly. Like as a means of oh, like, yeah. well, it's, it's got to be in the game. Because it's like the level design on one level be like, dude, this is really intricate and well done and high textures. And there's like plant deformation. And then suddenly it'll be an area like this is very carbon copy and paste. And Yeah, that makes me think know. of that like open, like when you're, it's in the snow and it's right at the beginning of the game and you're like going yeah. around and there's the helicopters and stuff. I'm like, this sucks. This is just very open, but yeah, the rest of it's pretty I mean, good. I'm know. glad you liked it. Yeah. I was prepared I, dude, for I you can't to not like it too. I'm, I'm glad you were correct and that you left it. Cause you had a part of you 
that knew yeah. I would like it. And it's led me down the thing of like, I never bothered looking at any of the Marvel licensed games from the PS3 era. Mm -hmm. So I started looking at them and dude, there's a Captain America game that Sega made that is essentially just an Arkham Origins. I'm sorry, an Arkham uh, Arkham Asylum light. Like the way camera pans and stuff look like they're just trying to emulate it. It was really interesting. I heard good things about that too. Um, I've heard good things in the sense of like, if you, if you're willing to play a knockoff version of Batman, that's not as good, but kind of interesting. Like the Iron Man game has got a lot of praise yeah, as well in terms of just, uh, what your expectations are for a licensed game at the time. So, well, I just looked it up. That Captain America game is $50. (laughs) Holy crap. So I don't know that I'll be playing that. Yeah, that's unfortunate. But I have um, been buying more expensive games from my collection recently, so we'll see. This is why we need Disney to just, you know, be like, hey, we're going to pay all the publishers to put out remasters. We're going to relicense these characters out to these publishers so they can put out remastered versions of all these games. Well, the thing is, like, outside of the Web of Shadows or the Spider Man games that aren't Amazing Spider Man, I feel like everything else is kind of forgettable. But, like, Edge of Shadows. So, you know, I can't remember the rest of them. Oh, what is uh, it? Shattered Dimensions. Uh, Shattered Dimensions. There's yeah, one both more. Both of those are good. Edge of Time, I think. Is that it? Edge that of Time. Game? Yeah. Yeah. yeah all great games. Yep. All, yeah. all great games. But I, what, I, what I'm what i surprised. Yeah. I, I, I know it probably won't happen because Sony is the Spider-Man guys now and stuff like that. But I'm surprised that there has been no Spider-Man 2 re-release or remake. You know, it, it's. I'm gonna be the one to say, as I said the other day, Spider-Man Two is a perfectly all right game. That's it. Yeah. Like, I feel like that game is romanticized to a degree. Well, so, that like, time if, and place if I had thing. to put, look, look, I get it. But if I were to put, even right now, twenty years removed, ten years, twelve years, whatever it be, I guess right now we're thirteen years removed from Wolverine when it yeah. originally released. Good lord, Wolverine is a better game than Spider-Man Two through and through. 100 yeah, percent everything about it it's far more fun it isn't lost in trying to be open world and i get that spider-man they think that oh, you have to be open world that's part of the character but i think edge of time shattered dimensions and all of those games have Pretty already shown you not. you do not have to have an open world spider-man game for them to be fun i agree i don't know so, i think I, it's one of those weird things but the i conversation... would really want it to be remade I, I'm just, I'm not even saying it should be. I'm just saying I'm surprised given the fervor around that game that nobody figured it out. It seems easy money. Yeah. It's an Activision <laughs> yeah. game. You'd think they'd release some easy money. Especially with Sony doing the PS2 games on PS4. Just throw that on there. No, barely any work with some trophies. Easy. 15 bucks. <laughs> Bam. 60? You could probably eh, charge 60 bucks. It's Spider Man. Hey, I'd never buy it never. for 60. Yeah, I know no, you I would, mean, you crazy man. Right now, it's definitely never because Sony's not going to be like, yeah, we're releasing a remake of this Spider-Man 2 the same year we're releasing Spider-Man 2. <laughs> that would actually be pretty interesting. Definitely if they be. actually do keep the price around $20 because that game's not yeah. that long. You know what I mean? Pre-order bonus. Also, I'm going to throw out, I think both Amazing Spider-Man and Amazing Spider-Man 2. Amazing Spider-Man 1's a great game. For the time. And Amazing Spider-Man 2 kind of slips on a little bit, but it's a solid game. 
And both of those games are ridiculously expensive. <laughs> oh, they're so expensive. I want to play them so bad. I remember seeing when we first started sharing accounts, like you had it in your download list. I was like, oh, I'm going to get to play this. And it didn't work, sadly. But I was pretty Wh- hyped why? that it was there. Because it's, it's not downloadable. I'm imagining you had the disc. So it's in your list, but I can't oh. play it. Well, hold on. What list were you looking at? Like your games list My- on PS4. Oh, I did have the game. Yeah, I did have the disc for Spider-Man 2. I thought you yeah. said my amazing Spider-Man 1. I don't think I, ha- I have a digital version of it, sadly, but that game was awesome. It was. I, oh, you know what? I played I played Amazing Spider-Man. I got it for free with an Xbox 360 that my family gave me, and I played Damn. it on there, and I was like, dude, this is awesome. <laughs> yeah, it's a great game. Yeah. Yeah, they're, they're both really good. One of the things I actually liked about Amazing Spider-Man 2 was the idea that they separated it to where you use L2 and R2 to shoot webs from the left and right hand. Mm-hmm. I was like, that's actually one of the most interesting ideas for Spider-Man I've seen in a while. And that was when they made it to where it's like you have to actually latch onto something to be able to swing forward instead yeah. of just being able to shoot a web in the air and it you just fly off of nothing. Fly and through the clouds, so it, literally. Yeah, like it made it made big strides in that direction. But then some other things that were really fun about the first one, it like took steps back on. I was like, why did you? Okay, but I guess that's what happens when you try and make Beanox make games in a year. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> what are you going to do? I think so. But yes, I agree with the All premise right. of that conversation. The PS3 is sick. It's so good. I I am genuinely at the point where I don't even know if I want to start playing PS5 again. Besides playing Tribes of Midgard with my buddy Donovan, he asked me if I wanted to. I'm down mm-hmm. to play, down to try it. But I I kind of think I'm just going to stay on a PS3 stint for a while because I've been having a blast. Yeah, I, and as I, long I, as I, the PS3 games I select support the DualShock, here's the thing: I didn't think the DualShock Four was going to work because X Men is not on any list to say that it's supported. But I can tell you right now, it is 100% supported. That's so. So. I can clear I that know. up. I beat the entire I, game with it. <laughs> I've like turned on my PS5 and like scrolled through my list and been like, eh, I'm going to play <laughs> Trails of Zill all, you know, and ha- had more fun than Dude, most of the stuff I've played on PS5. I'm going to say there's something uh, I really appreciated that X-Men Origins wasn't open world. Mm-hmm. There's still a big market and plenty of use that you can get out of a well-scripted, tightly focused single player narrative, like narrative and action driven. Um, why am I, um, linear. I'm skipping on the word linear. linear. Game, thank you. Um, I think linear with a little bit of branching paths to give you that feeling of exploration is so rewarding and so interesting and you can control moments so much better than you can and pacing so much better than you can in open worlds. I kind of really hope that we see more games go back toward that. And I also really appreciate it that they just basically are like, hey, we're going to steal God of War's gameplay, but make it make sense with Wolverine in mm-hmm. the best way possible. Like, yeah. you know, that's one of those uh, imitations, the best form of flattery. And it's it's so God of War, but there's nothing about Wolverine as a character that doesn't make that make sense. It's like all you're doing is taking the blades and taking them off of chains and putting them on his hand. That's it. But everything mm-hmm. else about it is essentially the God of War stick, you know? Yeah. I hope they're smart and the new Wolverine game is a linear single player game. And they don't try and spin. I was gonna ask if you thought that, but I'm pretty sure they're gonna try and make it open world. I don't see and how or why. Uh, because then I mean, it's I just Spider Man. My hope is that Yeah, my hope is that it's a Guardians of the Galaxy style linear game and they are really look letting the Ratchet and Clank team do it, where it's like, hey, y'all are used to linear storytelling. Have at thee. 
you know? Right, exactly. That's what I would um, hope it is. If nothing else, at Max Hubs, yeah. not large, but large enough to have a little free fun in and then move on and still be able to kind of control your pacing and set. But uh, moving on from what we've been playing and the fact that you should absolutely buy a PlayStation 3 uh, <laughs> if you don't already have one. Um, Make Wolverine like Neo. Then... Yeah, we're going to go ahead and go into the community's take. And of course, last week we were talking about cross-gen games. So the question we asked was, with Gotham Knights canceling its last-gen versions and going strictly PS5, Xbox Series consoles, are you excited for games to start looking past cross-gen? Or were you hoping that with the console shortage is still happening, that games would remain cross-generation for longer? And we got a few responses, and most of them are not really surprising to me. Uh, but there are a few people who felt a little bit opposite. Uh, so over on Facebook, we have Jeff Schrock. He says, I'm personally excited to be ditching last-gen versions. Maybe that's because I've been lucky enough to have gotten a PS5, but I'm ready to start seeing what these consoles are capable of. Um, Josh Drago, real simple. Like you young people tell us, old people, that's the past. Move on. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. I kind of get it. Uh, last one from one of our patrons, Mark Schutz. He says, I didn't buy two next-gen consoles to have the games constantly gimped by having to make versions that run on old hardware, which I think is a pretty fair uh, standpoint. So as we're seeing so far on Facebook, all of you are very, let's move on and keep going. <laughs> that continues uh, on. Over on the – Well, a little bit. Yeah, go ahead. I was going to say over on our uh, Discord, uh, the Lord Kurgi, another Patreon user, he says, I hope that more studios start making the switch. I understand there are still supply chain issues, but at some point you need to cut the cord on past generation consoles. I think a year and a half to two years across you is plenty, which I agree. Mm-hmm. It's hard yeah, for technology to advance if you're holding it back. <sighs> Well, and I feel like that one and a half to two years precedent was kind of set from the PS3, PS4 gen, right? When we had a, a different thing there, that scare that PS4 and Xbox One were going to fail because mobile games were going to take over and be the future and consoles were dead. Oh, yeah. uh, Michael Pactor, I think, is the one who said that. He I bet he's wrong. rolling around. He also said, Bitcoin's if it wasn't now. him, I know for a fact he said that Nintendo was going to fail and they should completely get out of the hardware business. And now the Switch is the best selling console, one of the best selling consoles of all time. Bet Michael Pactor feels like a real dummy. Listen, we're all wrong sometimes. I just think it's, it's, it's an incredibly funny thing to look at from the past. I've also said things that I know ended up being completely wrong. And yeah, I probably I mean, was going to ask Hat too in, in, in hindsight. <laughs> You've heard my conspiracy theory about Michael Pactor, so I don't trust that man. I have heard your all. conspiracy theory about him. And I'm right. What do you believe that he was paid <laughs> off by Big Mobile? Uh actually kind of. <laughs> I'm not no, I'm, I I that's that's I say that cuz that's I kind of have a feeling that something like that's crazy. No, I think he makes insane predictions that always sound bad to lower stock prices because he works for an investment firm. So uh, I think he'll Tencent be like a million dollars to say that so that people would go to mobile games. Yeah, I don't know about that. <laughs> I kind of think it's more logical. Like Chris was saying that no, it'd be that him here. trying to do market manipulation through the, yeah. logic. through the platform that he has. It makes yeah. a lot of sense. You got to pay. Uh, you gotta I pay almost think that that's the, the job of all 
all analysts, I almost think that their job is to put stuff out there so that people who read analysts will freak out over what they say and then affect the stock so that they can come in and be like, scoop, going to buy that on the low. <laughs> exactly. Look, Brad, I'll brilliant. show you how wrong you are. Hold on. Let me, let me hold on. Let me go real quick. App Store Logic. <laughs> it's on the App Store. It's on here. Yeah, please. Look, it's okay. <laughs> he's right. Um, the crossword puzzles on my phone. Right. They killed the PS5. Hey, I mean, you, uh, on, the PS5 on, is dead. Long PS, live the PS5. Long live Tencent. Um, oh, God. Another Patreon user on Discord, Rude Days 93 he says, personally, yes, I'm ready to move on to the current. But I do understand Sony's reluctance to move on, especially as shortages continue. Unlike Xbox, Sony doesn't have console like the Series S that is easier to make without parts or a streaming service on the PS4 to play PS5 games. And also, they have much bigger player base on PS4 than the Xbox One has. But I do think they're eventual, eventually about to have enough... Can I read English? But I do think eventually about to have enough consoles out there to satisfy their hardcore fan base. And I would... Be and that would be enough to move on to the PS5 permanently, but I do think their eventuality is about to have enough consoles. I guess, yeah. What do y'all think about that? I, I get, uh, yeah, I get what he's saying. I mean, in terms of the larger market of people who are going to be most impacted and most likely to buy a game day one, uh, and, and really impact day one sales and not worry about the tail so much, is going to be the people who probably have already managed to get the console one way or another. Within the next six months, I could see Sony saying 20 plus million PS5s is enough for us to cut the cord and go on. Um, but, you know, I've been kind of of the impression that Sony was kind of, they had to change tune because of console shortages. And I think that they kind of saw to their advantage that that meant that they could sell games like Horizon uh, for ps4 as well and make significantly more money due to the install base while not while having an excuse to suddenly break their tradition of not making cross-generation games and i think that they've been playing this game of let's see how well games sell as we continue to push on and i would say that if the ps4 version of horizon forbidden west sold considerably well god of war is not going to get canceled for ps4 come hell or high water because they know there's money to be made yeah. And that kind of comes from the fact that they keep talking about these games are getting more and more expensive to make and you can't really use – you can't really operate off of what they used to expect from a game. So now they want games to hit $10 million and plus to consider they, – they want games to be profitable outside of being just a reason to convince people to buy the machine so that they can make their normal profit from people buying other games and microtransactions through their storefront. That's kind of where they moved to, unfortunately, because I say unfortunately, because I do think that means that some of the IP that we want back are probably more than likely on the cutting board, you know, cutting room floor for good because of the fact that they never had a big enough draw to pull people in at the level to sell the 10 million. And just because people love resistance, coming out with a new resistance game is not going to be a, an obvious 10 million plus sales because it wasn't that before. So unfortunate, but I kind of get where you're coming from. But yeah, you know, one thing that he brings up that I am a little surprised that Sony hasn't gotten to yet is no PS5 chips. And I get with chip shortages, what are you going to do? But 
no PS5 in, involved in PS Now at all. Like you can't stream PS5 games. You can't stream games in PS5 quality like you can with Xbox. And they're, they have the series consoles on their server rack so that when you stream from xCloud, you stream as a Series X game so that you get that level of quality and detail coming through your stream. Um, and I'm kind of curious as to why. Do they not see, like, do they think that streaming is still a little volatile in terms of the exact resolution that you get when you're playing the game? So is there really a reason to play a 4K version of a game if most of the PS5 games still exist on PS4? That's kind of the the what if, but I'm not sure. Chris, you have any thoughts on that statement? Um, Honestly, not really. I don't have much to say about streaming. I hope they, they fix it, but I don't know. I don't streaming is viable to an extent, but I think it just, the internet needs to get better. And then, like I said, we had this, this conversation and I don't know if it was just the one specific game, but I thought infamous looked so much worse on streaming than compared to playing it on the console that like, I would never want to play something streaming again. What kind of got me, and I, I know that I had to show it in the most crude way I can because you can't take screenshots on PS3. So yeah. it's like, what are you going to do? Um, and I know that if I'm not mistaken, I was correct in that you were playing on PS5. So there was technically mm-hmm. a different system. And you were playing with Wi-Fi being your internet, right? Yeah. Instead of being hardwired. So I don't know if it really is just that. But at least from the, the, the screenshots or the pictures from my phone that I sent of the exact same monitor, the exact same game, I just flicked between the two inputs between my computer on PS Now and my PS3 plugged in. Mm-hmm. Did you feel like they were drastically different? No. Yeah, they, I mean, really. they looked pretty close. They look uh, close. It might just be yeah. Infamous. It yeah, it might be. It might be that Infamous is a muddier game, so yeah. more detail is lost in the stream. Right. Yeah, I don't know. I'm a little curious because there's some games that I don't know that I want to buy that I'm thinking of just playing on PS Now. Uh, I want to look at my internet usage from the last month and see how much playing on PS Now impacted my data usage before I go diving into another game on there. (laughs) That's my my most curious. That might be part of why they haven't gone up too because then they'd have to offer 1440p or 4K streaming on PS Now, and that would take up so much data usage on people's plans that they don't realize. Streaming in 4K, like even streaming a Netflix movie in 4K is like gigs per hour. Yeah. So if you're watching a bunch of 4K content, if you have data limits, you're going to feel that. <laughs> Do we have a data limit on our plan? Uh, you might not. I chose you, you can pay 40 more dollars on our Sparklight plan in order to be unlimited on any of the plans they have. You choose your speed and then you can you get a certain pool of data with that or you can pay $40 extra and get unlimited. I, guess I, I have 1.2 terabytes um, of data per month and I never hit it. So I chose to save $40 yeah. or 30 whatever it is, and just have the same speed but not have to go up to there. So do with that information what you will saw. We have another one of our newer patrons, Aztec King. He says, I do think it's time to make the switch, at least for all the first-party games, all the heavy hitters. I'm sure smaller games can still do cross-gen. I do think because of the issues that happen that this generation should last a bit longer than the previous one. You know what's kind of unfortunate? It could just be that I have a gut feeling or maybe there was something I read or saw that kind of backed this up in my mind. But it definitely seemed like there was intentions to make this generation not last as long as PS4 did. And yet, 
then the console shortages happened and it's like now that seems shakier because it's like you want the console to generation to be long enough for you to draw the profit that you can from it and if you've kind of been gimped at the first at the start of the race that kind of feels like it may need to be added back like at least a year back to the end of it maybe two years to get that would you really agree with that or, or what do you think i think it entirely depends on if we get a ps5 pro and if yeah, it's a big enough leap that it's worth holding off on the ps6 which it very well might be i mean in the end like you don't lose anything by waiting on developing something like that in well, fact and, and, you probably just gain potential power and stuff like that so yeah well and to your point or at least essentially what you're speaking on it kind of goes back to the fact that like the PS4 Pro was more necessary because of the PS4 being severely underpowered by the time that it came out because of the market being so people didn't know if it was going to last. So neither company wanted to put too much into it. Uh, these new consoles are more viable products out of the door and have a lot more of the features that people were expecting out of the door. Even if resolution isn't the key one, you know, like you games can hit 4k and whatnot, 4k 30 and 1440p 60 and variable frames. And with the, uh, super fx resolution uh that the amd has it's coming out that can help with temporal al- aliasing and whatnot uh and then games like spider-man using proprietary temporal temporal uh, temporal anti-aliasing to help give you a very clean non-4k image that you can't tell isn't 4k things like that kind of make you go like if not resolution then what's the next step like what are we really going to be worried about there's lots of ram in these consoles there's very fast ram there's ssds so I will be curious to see if there feels like there's a need for the PS5 Pro in terms of a stopgap or not. Or if they feel like there's not really a need for it because of the fact that so few people got into the PS4 gate to begin with. One thing that kind of became obvious to me is that the PS4 Pro and Xbox Series X, neither of them sold that well. So I don't know if Sony has a big reason to really dump a ton of time and resources into it if they don't feel like it'll really be either necessary to prolong the generation or can sell well enough to make money that they could be otherwise leaving on the table. You know what I mean? I do. I do indeed. I'd be curious yeah. to see what they do. I, I don't know that it's necessary, but I think they'll do it regardless. Well, I think the precedent's been set so they can. That's essentially yeah. what it comes down to. Uh, and they had the excuse with ps4 be like hey it was kind of underpowered let's go ahead and put out a super powered version of it yeah i'd be curious to see i mean if they can come out with a system right now or you know in in the next year 2023 maybe end of 2022 announce it whatever it be that can do 4k 60 i will tell you right now i would absolutely buy that (laughs) i mean i will because I don't want to play games at 30 frames per second anymore. And if I don't have to give up 4K in order to do that, I'll spend another $500, $600 maybe even, depending on what you want. I mean, it just depends. Mm-hmm. You could catch me dropping that money. <laughs> Last one comes from another one of our patrons, Mr. Matt Green. He says, cross-gen for longer, but that's just because I'm skint, which I'm assuming is some kind of British slang for penny-pinching or broke or whatever, and can't afford a PS5 yet. Is what he says. Um, <laughs> he says, laugh out loud. Matt, good luck on getting your PS5 uh, whenever you feel like your your wallet can afford it uh, or that you can 
let your grip of those pennies go just a little bit in order to provide yourself with a ps5 uh moving on to the news though thank you guys if you want to be part of the community sake that we do it's always kind of a recap but give you chance give you guys the listeners a chance to voice your opinions on the things that we talked about the previous episode you can always find us on our social media that's at triangle sqrd on twitter there's a facebook group triangle square to playstation podcast where you can ask to be entered we'll glad to let you in you can talk about it there we have our discord always linked down in the description below uh, and you can, of course, join the Discord, and there's a community stake section where you can answer those questions. If you are a patron where you went to patreon.com slash nartech and gave as little as a dollar per month, you get a cool colored name in the Discord to show everybody that you support, you rep the boys, and uh, we appreciate that. We do. Uh, but moving on into the news, first bit of news, Techland the studio behind Dying Light franchise, has announced that they are working on an open-world fantasy RPG. The studio made the announcement to help with hiring and are looking to fill more than 70 positions. The team includes talent from CD Projekt Red, Bethesda, and Guerrilla Games, to name a few. Uh, And it'll be really interesting to see who they fill these positions up with and what kind of game they come out with. Uh, Having never played either of the Dying Light games, Techland doesn't have like a big... I know, I know. (laughs) <laughs> but Techland doesn't have a big place in my heart. But I will say that Techland is obviously one of those independent studios like CD Projekt Red that are known for putting out very high quality games despite not being beholden to an actual publisher rather than they're just funding these games, finding somebody to publish them as a partner and then just go out with them. And then that's cool. You know, I think it's The just- Witcher 3 in a game that gets as loved as that coming out without being from somebody, hey, Dying Light 1 being another huge example of a game that was independently developed and then just found a partner for publishing. That's awesome, dude. These games doing this well and being so revered and loved is something that I feel like we're going to see a little bit less and less as more and more purchases seem to be happening. But hopefully there's always a couple of places like this that are around to uh, put out these types of games. So, uh, Saul, did you have something you were trying to say? No. No. Okay. I do like... um, I do like them zombie games though that they make, so they can uh, they can keep on keeping. <laughs> you on. played Dying Light the original one, one, right? Yes. Yeah, that's what I thought. Did you ever play uh, Dead Island? No, the original. No. Chris, you can you can correct me if I'm wrong. They did make Dead Island, right? They did. Yeah. Did they make they that Riptide make like sequel? No, I don't believe weird so. game. It's a standalone game, isn't it? Like a standalone DLC. Yeah, it's like a, you don't have to have the game to play it, but it's more or less glorified DLC, if if not considered standalone DLC. Um, I didn't play it. I did play the original uh, Dead Island, and I didn't love it at the time. Uh, I didn't play like a ton of it. I remember throwing deodorant at someone. <laughs> at <a zombie. laughs> uh, that's what I remember. That's my one very vivid memory of that game. Um, speaking of uh, Dead Island, do you guys think Dead Island 2? You know, it's funny. Mark Schutz... Uh, says that his daughter's working on quality control for the game, if I am not mistaken. Uh, Mark, you can feel free to correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, so it sounds like the game's still coming, but that game has been announced almost 10 years now. That's absolutely Next year, ridiculous. it'll be 10 years that it that the trailer, the, the, annou- the initial announcement trailer was shown. Whew. Absolutely crazy. Yeah, I, I'm going to continue to say, I know some people have different opinions, 
But I think the only time that you should show a game off like this, like the way that Techland announced their new game, right? This new open world fantasy RPG. It's vague. doesn't have a name. It doesn't really give you any idea of what it is other than type of game and maybe a little bit of the arts aesthetic that you might expect from it. Kind of a tone. But that's it. And I think that that's really smart because you're doing this to announce a new game so that you can also announce it to the bigger world for hiring. But you're not setting any form of expectation around the game right now outside of the developers who are working on it and the pedigree of what they had before. And I think that this is so distinctly different than than saying Starfield is our new game (laughs) and we're going to show you a title card. And you're just going to have to trust us because we're Bethesda. And it's so weird coming from the studio that announced Fallout 4 and released Fallout 4 in a five-month window. It just it nope. feels weird. I don't care. I, I feel the same about Skyrim. Skyrim was announced, got that big Game Informer spread, and then that game was out by the end of that same year. And it's like, that's how you show, release, and promote a game and then release it. And I don't know where along the line it became that, yeah, we got to talk about Skyrim, or we got to talk about <laughs> Skyrim 2. We got to talk about Delta Trolls 5 in 2018, 19. What year was that? 19, and it, it, it probably won't be out until 2024. So we needed to know about a game five years in advance. No, we didn't. And honestly, I'll say the same for Cyberpunk. CD Projekt Red did not need to put out that cyberpunk thing in 2013 that they did, but they did. <laughs> so there we are. Uh, anyway, next thing up, Fall Guys is going free to play. You may remember that as a PS Plus game that got very large uh, with its release on Switch and Xbox as well. On June 21st, existing owners will receive the Legacy Pack, which includes three skins and the Season 1 Battle Pass. And the rest of you filthy animals get to uh, buy all that separately. <laughs> uh either way uh next bit is uh actually in relation to the new ps plus uh tiers and some of the games that we are expected to see so i'm not going to name them all uh because there's a lot they showed that they they teased about 100 games and they made it seem as if this is a sneak peek And it's unclear from this whether or not more games are going to be available day one at launch or if it's just going to be these and then they continue to build month by month to that 700 number they initially teased with this announcement of the new PS Plus. But looking at the games that they consider to be from PlayStation Studios, so first-party published games, uh, you're looking at Alienation, Bloodborne, Concrete Genie, Days Gone, Dead Nation Apocalypse Edition, Death Stranding, and Death Stranding Director's Cut for PS4 or PS5, uh, Demon's Souls, PS5, Destruction All-Stars, Everybody's Golf, Ghost of Tsushima Director's Cut, God of War, of course the PS4 2018 version, Gravity Rush 2, Gravity Rush Remastered, Horizon Zero Dawn, Infamous First Light and Second Sun, Knack, Little Big Planet 3, Knack Baby, <laughs> Loco Roco <laughs> Remastered, Loco Roco 2 Remastered, Marvel Spider-Man, Marvel Spider-Man Miles Morales for both PS4 or PS5, Matterfall, Medieval, Patapon Remastered, Patapon 2 Remastered, Rezogun, Returnal, Shadow of the Colossus, 
Tearaway Unfolded, The Last Guardian, The Last of Us Remastered, The Last of Us Left Behind, notably no The Last of Us 2, Until Dawn, Uncharted, The Nathan Drake Collection, Uncharted 4, A Thieves' End, Uncharted, The Lost Legacy, and Wipeout Omega Collection. Now, that is honestly far more of a first-party collection than I anticipated. And if they still consider that a sneak peek, I'm a little surprised. I am a little curious as to why you put NAC 1 on here, but not NAC 2. Like, are you holding out NAC 2 so more people will buy NAC 2? you got to give it up at some point. NAC 2 is a great game, but you've got to give it up at some point. Uh, that game is probably not going to sell any real <laughs> big after this. Um, so there's that. There are a number of third-party partners as well, some notable ones being Assassin's Creed Valhalla, uh, Final Fantasy XV Royal Edition, which is not too surprising. Uh, Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy is also on there. And Red Dead Redemption 2 being uh, probably among the biggest. Uh, so that's just a few of those. And not surprising, as we know, PlayStation has quite the relationship with Take-Two and Rockstar. Uh, but where it gets a little more interesting for the premium tier is the classic games. And this really seems to depend. This is a smaller list than I would have initially anticipated. But it's also kind of depends on what type of games you like. So for PlayStation-based ones, you have Ape Escape for the original PlayStation, Hot Shots Golf, IQ Intelligent Cube, Jumping Flash, and Siphon Filter, the very first one. All of those are original PlayStation titles. Then there's Super Stardust Portable for the PSP. There are Mr. Driller, and Tekken 2 for the PS1, Worms World Party and Worms Artageddon, both for the original PS1. And then there is the PlayStation Studios PS4 remakes of a lot of the PS2 games like Ape Escape 2, Ark the Lad, Twilight of the Spirits, Dark Cloud 1 and 2, Hot Shots Tennis, Fanavision, Jack 1 through 3, as well as Combat Racing, Rogue Galaxy, Siren, Wild Arms 3. Uh, and then a couple of other ones that come from it's kind of weird that they consider these, but third-party partners, Baja, Edge of Control, HD, Bioshock Remastered, Borderlands, The Handsome Collection, Bulletstorm, Full Clip Edition, Kingdoms of Amalur, Re-Reckoning, and Lego Harry Potter Collection. Those are considered to be classic games and premium only. So those PS4 games that are mentioned are not part of the extra tier. So there's that. And then lastly, there's a slew of PS3 games. Most of them are not new. Demon's Souls, the original, is on there as a PS3 game, uh, as well as some Hot Shots golf games, Ratchet & Clank, all three of those being on there. Puppeteer, uh, Motorstorm Apocalypse, sadly no Motorstorm, or Motorstorm uh, uh, Pacific Rift. Um, so it's kind of a weird mix, but you know what is on the third party PS3 games? Osura's Wrath. Let's go, baby. Let's go, baby. Uh, Red Dead Redemption Undead Nightmare is there, but not Red Dead Redemption 1. So unless Undead Nightmare is considered the version that had both the original game and Undead Nightmare, I can't say for certain. Just let y'all know that. Uh, there's some other ones too, though. The original Fear, which is a great, fantastic game. Um, and the last bit of kind of information in here um, that I think is pertinent to this is that uh, they did announce that of the classic games, some, it says select classic games. If you already own them prior to this service, maybe you bought them on PSP, PS3, whatever it be, you will be able to play them and download them completely separately from having to be part of the extra or premium tier. Um, and they will be adding to these tiers uh, every month to continue to fill them out. I imagine that the classics game section will get much larger. Um, 
as well as the fact that select classic games will enjoy benefits of increased resolution, increased frame rate, as well as a, a essentially a bespoke UI that lets you save the game whenever you want all the save states from most emulators, uh, as well as a couple of other things. Uh, so that's awesome. I think that's a really big thing. The Ubisoft games that are included here are part of Ubisoft Plus Classics, which is considered to be part of PlayStation Plus. And that's where some of those games are coming in. It has things like Far Cry 3 Remastered. Um, and that is essentially where we are with this. Uh, besides, um, or I guess that's where we are with it. But I thought it was cool that they announced that some of these games will actually have improved frame rates and whatnot. And I think the big reason is, is that as I've mentioned the tools for this were already there. Uh, Parappa the Rapper, Loco Roco, Patapon, all of those PS4 remasters of PSP games just ran on the PSP emulator that they then injected. They, they, they upscaled the resolution of the game to 4K for those uh, natively through that. And then they injected higher quality assets in for the textures where they felt like that was necessary, uh, depending on which game you were talking about. And I'm so glad to see that that's going to be used here because even if you don't want to inject in new textures, being able to run the game at a better frame rate and a better resolution, excuse me, just by way of your emulator is a fantastic way for uh, you to be able to play some of these games in a much better way. Uh, So with these games in mind, Saul, Anything sticks out to you or anything about this kind of pull you towards even wanting the premium? Are you going to kind of rest in the standard PlayStation Plus range? I'm going to rest in the standard PlayStation Plus range. I'm tired of paying for services. I don't use the full extent of them, too. I think that's fair. Are you still playing for Game Pass? Nope. Yeah, I kind of figured you wouldn't. I never had to. I got the two-year free thing. Remember, I got Xbox All Access. Oh. So I got two years of Game Pass Ultimate. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. and since I paid I mean, off the you console, technically are paying for it, but yeah. Well, uh, like two years of Games Pass Ultimate, I forgot what it was, but it was like almost four hundred dollars, I think. And yeah. so, so for uh, the Xbox All Access, it was like eight hundred dollars if you didn't pay it off by the time uh, interest hit you. But I paid it off way before that, so I, I ended up okay. paying like cool. six six seventy, I think, for everything which is well worth it after tax and the Series X and the Games Pass for two years. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and I'm kind of there. Like, If it wasn't for me getting two years of Game Pass built up for, you know, or three years rather, I'm sorry, I think is what it was, three years of Game Pass for $99, <laughs> uh, I don't think I would have done that either. Uh, that was a, a technically $100. It was $99 plus uh, $1. So with that in mind, um, I think there's – plenty of good things on there but it's been a while since i've played anything from game pass as well though i'm glad i have it just so i have access to it whenever xbox decides to put a game out uh which comes into play by the way that starfield is delayed (laughs) we could talk about that if y'all want to but um i'm not surprised i expect it to get delayed yeah i've been saying that pretty much all year because by now, I feel like they would have shown something. I mean, now they're going to show something at E3, but they've decided to take that out and go ahead and say, yeah, it's delayed, which is probably the smart move. Um, anyway, Chris, do you have any thoughts on any of this? Uh, not many. I'm probably going to subscribe to the premium just more out of curiosity than anything else and kind of see where I'm at. Um, but none of the... A lot of the titles that I was interested in, I kind of already paid for. <laughs> So I'm kind of okay. The physical disc. 
yeah it's a lot of just like i'm curious to see how this looks and how it works so i'll probably get it at least for a month and try some of those uh it is notable that these aren't supposedly these aren't all the games so maybe something will pique my interest that's just on the store that i'm not certainly could you know if if you don't want to pay the actual money for asura's wrath um, I would at least tell because if I'm not mistaken, Oscar's Wrath kind of expensive, right? I know it was one of those niche games that yeah, it's like sixty blew bucks, up. A little, maybe a little bit more. Ooh. If you don't want to spend that money, I would employ you since I know you have a computer and your computer's hardwired, correct? No. Oh, it's still Wi-Fi. Hmm. I was gonna say I would employ you to try PS Now on your computer with Oscar's Wrath streamed and see if you have a better experience or not. Uh, but that yeah. might not be the best bet. I mean, maybe maybe playing on PC is better than playing on PlayStation 5, even though I would hope that they actually coded it to work well on their system <laughs> <laughs> if they're going to promote it as a system feature. But all that said, I think there's plenty of interesting games on there, but it really, I agree with you guys. It's kind of a wait and see because the classic game selection is pretty paltry. I expected a lot more, in all honesty. Yeah. Um, so... But at wonder, least what we are getting has the potential for higher frame rate and higher resolution. But they haven't specified which games. They just say select. So I don't know if that's just protective wording so that if there are some games that they weren't able to do that on that nobody can say, you said all games, or if it truly is only a handful of games. Well, I, I think there's a possibility that the only games they announced were games that they did upgrade and everything else is like potentially upgraded. you know what I mean? If that makes sense? Yeah. Fair enough. I mean, that would actually be kind of interesting if the only games that they actually, if they only added the games to the service once they had ran it through and had it to where it can run at an improved resolution and frame rate, that would be cool. That would be really similar to what Xbox chose to do with its backwards compatible curation. And I think it's a smart way to go because more people are going to be willing to play the games if they don't feel like they're having to play an inferior version, even if, as I just played the original uh, thing, that it's like I just played Wolverine Origins with nothing, and, and I think that that game is still runs and plays incredibly well. Zero problems. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I do. And yeah, I mean, you've been playing so much PS3, it's like, you know, what's it going to change? Yeah. <laughs> if I'm, I'm kind of at the point where, for me, the PS3 games aren't a selling point because I kind of want to build, see how many games from that catalog I could even get. So I'm almost like, eh, if I want to play it there, I'll just spend the money on the disc just to have it. In the collection I on noticed, top of... I noticed that with X-Men of Wolverine Origins, and you may have just had it so long that it was before you got this. Are you scrutinizing whether or not the collection you're building has the original case or not? No, I don't care. Fair enough. I am one of those people, if I want to have a physical collection, I would honestly just prefer to have the real case. I rather would too, but I, I'm also going to be like, oh, this version of Brutal Legend is $6 and that one is 25 You know what I mean? I'll just buy the $6 version and have Brutal Legend, you know? Well, I will do what I used to do, and I, I can still do that right now. If I could get them without a case or without the original case and just like a GameStop case that has the yeah. paper inside of it, I will just go find either a scan of the original art or create my own art, print it out two size cut yeah. it out put it in a thing and have a professional looking sleeve inside of there and just be like there we go well brett if you're interested in doctoring up my <laughs> x-men origins wolverine copy feel free to do that because that would be pretty you know cool. what you know what i will before i send it back to you i'll do that hell yeah that's dope yeah all right man yeah we'll, we'll see what we can do there <laughs> <laughs> hopefully something actually happens um 
All right, let's see. Going on to the next piece of news, uh, we have, according to VGC, Konami is developing not one, not even two, as we've seen, heard before, but three entries in the Silent Hill series that are in active development. The games appear to be a remake of Silent 2 from Bloober Team, which I no, there is no way I trust Bloober Team. Oh, okay, let me back up. I don't trust Bloober Team with making an original game in the Silent Hill series. They mm-hmm. have the technical know-how that if all they're doing is remaking Silent Hill 2, but for modern on- audiences, and they're looking them. at the mechanics and do it, I could see them being a good fit for a remake. I don't think that they have what it takes to make a actually good, memorable Silent Hill entry that is new from them because their games always fall a little bit short of the mark and they're always really derivative. And I don't mean that in the worst way. It's just Silent Hill shouldn't be relegated to a derivative when it is originally one of the pioneering horror games. If you think about it, Blue Routine did... um, that paint that game where you're a painter who loses his mind. And I actually can't think of the name of it. I had it earlier. Um, and I cannot for the life of me think, is it layers of fear? Yes. Yep. Okay. They did layers of fear and that game was just, Hey, PT didn't come out. Let's just make a PT style game, but make it about an artist and painting. And they just ripped a bunch off from that to try and create that essence and feel because they knew people wanted it and it would sell the game. And the game isn't terrible, but the game's also not good. You know, it's like, it's kind of in that in-between zone where it's like, it's a perfectly fine derivative game. Uh, And then they had, of course, the medium, which does a lot to try and rip off from Silent Hill already in a very derivative sense and kind of handles its writing clumsily. And you know, and there he is. But, but the medium is a pretty good looking game when you're not trying to run the dual, dual world stuff where the game tanks and crashes with, with its phrase for a second. I don't know if you've actually seen that, but the game buckles quite a bit when you try and do the, the dual screen, seeing the two different worlds at once, dual render. Uh, but the game is a good-looking game, and I think that if you gave a remake to them, they could definitely handle it. Anyway, episodic series from Annapurna Interactive, which I think could absolutely work. Uh, yep. I almost, Chris, we were talking about um, uh, what is what is the name of the actual game right now? I'm, I'm of course losing my mind. Um, the the game with the clock that we played earlier this year. Twelve minutes. Twelve minutes. I think twelve minutes. I'm glad to a degree that it was like a single runoff game and that was it. But I could actually see a, a, a an episodic series of 12 minutes being really cool from the way that they chose to utilize gameplay. And if they could take that idea and spread it to where each play, each time you're in a new area with new puzzles and new ways to interact with things with that same level of interesting combinations, that could be really cool. So if they're doing agree. that, I think you could make a really cool less combat focused um silent hill game from them episodic uh you can still have combat but you know maybe maybe not as important to it as like silent hill two or three anyway a third mainline entry from a japanese studio who right now is unknown jeff grubb reports that the bloober team remake is a timed ps5 exclusive and the mainline entry has been long rumored to be done by Hideo Kojima's Kojima Productions, which continues to, I know for many people, be a red flag because many people believe that there's no way that Konami would work with Kojima when last I've heard and last many have heard, the president 
of Konami that did not gel too well with Kojima has not left and he is still there and he's a big mm-hmm. reason as to why the con why the company has gone so mobile heavy with their actual video game output um so i'd be curious to see but i'm not holding my breath to see a kojima made silent hill even though i would love for that to be the case we will definitely end up seeing um what it comes down to mr solomon you are you have yes. returned mr solomon i have what are your thoughts on a remake of Silent Hill 2 from Bloober Team? I would buy it for $100. <laughs> wow, well, really? Yes. Okay. Hey, look, going towards the uh, going to the the crux of the argument though. I don't know if you guys remember, uh, there was like the, the Silent Hill HD collection is a pretty pretty rough HD collection in many ways. It was rushed and all sorts of things. But Silent Hill 3 ended up having to be completely redubbed. Um, and people were not happy. Silent Hill 2, if I actually, I might have that backwards, but I think Silent Hill 2 did get redubbed because they thought they had to, but then last minute they got permission to reuse the original um, vocal recording so you could play it with the PS2 audio or the new audio. But it leads me to the question of, do you think people, the biggest hardcore fans, would be able to refrain from creating a commotion and a controversy, if they announce the Silent Hill, the Silent Hill Two remake has got new voice actors and new mocap performances and all that that would tie in with those voice actors, or do you think people are going to be like, "We deserve the original audio, man"? Uh, people be like, "We deserve the original audio." Do you think that there's a way that they could be like, "We're going to make it to where the original audio is there, but it may not be lip synced perfectly, but we also have redubbed it with actual, you know." mocap and it's lip synced perfectly do you think that they would make that concession and people would care to be smart but i don't know i could see them doing anything all i'm saying is that if you want the original audio i wouldn't expect them to suddenly go over and redub or you know reanimate all the lip movements just because you change the the audio that's just too much work for you know you can you can appeal to the fan base while not having to add extra work for yourself if it's not really necessary and it's only going to really go towards a small section of the fan base. I love the original game's performances, but I'm totally okay with a brand new one. Like I didn't think that uh Resident Evil 2 getting a new Leon or any of those characters was weird. I actually kind of like that and I think it made the game better cuz the performances in the original game are kind of rough. Yeah, they are. But they're charming. They are. They come from the time period. Uh, and that's also the weird thing about Silent Hill 2 is that there's some of the best voice acting I've ever heard in it and some of the worst. <laughs> but it all comes together to make a really iconic voice cast and uh, memorable dubbing of the game. Uh, let's see. Next thing up, EA and EA Motive have announced that the remake of Dead Space is orbiting a January 27th, 2023 release date. Here's the hoping that that does not get pushed back. There is no reason for them to announce a, a release date right now in terms of there being a hurry. So my hope is mm-hmm. that this comes from a fact that they understand the timeline for the, the project and they are good to go and know that they can hit that date. That's my hope. I agree. I think it'll come out. You know what's funny? As soon as they announced that Starfield was 11-11-22 and I was like, they're trying to release it on the anniversary of Skyrim. Uh I immediately knew 
they are only committing to this date because it has to do with Skyrim and they're going to miss it. Yeah. I knew it and I was so right. It's like, guys, just set a date that you know you can hit. Don't go, guys. We really, it, it would be great marketing if we could release this on the same day as Skyrim. <laughs> yeah. I'm surprised that a company hasn't done like, we're releasing end of 2023. Give it, give a date far out. Like you think you will get there before and finish and then just bring up the release date. You know, dude, you're exactly, it's exactly what I talk about with restaurants and you probably know this cause you work in one. Uh-huh. I call it the, I call it the roadhouse rule because roadhouse is probably the king of it where we live. If you go into roadhouse, They'll tell like they'll you'll normally know when it's too much, but if you go into Roadhouse here, they'll be like, ah, it'll be like maybe twenty, maybe thirty minutes, mm-hmm. and they're like, do you still want to be put on the list? And you tell them, yeah. Then you go out and either wait in the lobby or wait outside or wait in your car, depending on what's going on. And normally about ten minutes goes by, and then your little ringer or your text is going off saying, hey, your seat's ready, come in, and you're like, ah, and you're so happy because you're like, I expected such a longer release, and then you know I expected a longer wait, and then you improved it and so even though the wait was probably always only 10 minutes you've made it seem better by selling me a later date and then improving upon it by the time that you got to me and i don't understand why games don't do that do you know how hype people would be if you were like guys guys listen late 2023 you're going to be playing the new god of war and then like the middle of 2023 you're like shit guys guess what May 15th, God of War Ragnarok. You're welcome. <laughs> You're welcome. People are going to be like, fuck yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> well, God of War is coming out uh, in November, I think. We'll definitely see. Uh, we'll definitely potentially see. the 11th of November, I think, is when God of War is coming out. We'll see. Uh, next thing up, the yet-to-be-truly-revealed sequel to Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order has been named if another report from Jeff Grubb is to be delivered on his Giant Bob podcast, Grub Snacks. A user guessed the subtitle, and he confirmed Star Wars Survivor, or Star Wars Jedi Survivor, is the title. I'm going to tell you right now, Survivor is significantly less interesting sounding than Fallen Order. I it, agree. It it makes sense from Fallen Order that you think is gone to, oh, look, survived. But I feel like you could have put a little more, you know, Let's a little more. It. Yeah, just a little. Could have given a little, you know, a little Italian salting or whatever. You could have done something, <laughs> spice it up a bit. A little salt, uh, Yeah. I'm, I'm ultimately, I'm excited for that game. Um, Chris, I know you're a big Respawn fan, but if I remember I right, you weren't a big Fallen Order fan or did you like it all right? I liked it fine. I just didn't play it or finish it. Yeah, and I know Saul finished it, I think. Nope. But I know that Saul had... Okay, you had huge issues with map navigation. Or I should say this. The way that they chose to use the hollow map is a terrible representation of how you're actually in the level. No, the level design's awful. It's not just... I I think the level design's not great, but the map doesn't help. No, it's, it's the combination of both. Um, the crazy thing is I like, I like Cal Kedis. I think is his name, right? Cal Kestis. Cal, Kestis, yeah. yeah, Kestis. He's a cool character. Um, I like the story. I like the gameplay, but I have a massive pet peeve when it comes to like, if it takes me a couple, like if it takes me longer than 20 minutes to figure out where to go on your map, when it's clearly marked where to go because of the way you do your corridor design, I'm done. Like, I don't have the patience for that anymore. Yeah, I will say, I, I kind of, 
I gave them a little bit of leeway when it came out because I did feel like this is a studio and a team that is used to making first person shooter games. And that's where their pedigree lies and level design for a first person shooter is incredibly different than a third person action adventure. Um, so I did give them a lot of leeway in that regard, but it is kind of interesting because the fact that they are so different, I think becomes evident because Titanfall two has masterclass level design. Yes, it does across the board. I mean, that game is impeccably paced. It's impe- It's fun at all moments when you think you're about to start getting bored, the game just finds a way to surprise you and be like, ha there you are. And I think that that game does such a good job with its level design that it does feel weird to have that game feel confusing as a result. But there's a lot of things you don't have to contend with with Titanfall. Titanfall doesn't have to have a map to tell you how to get around this hub. It doesn't have to worry about puzzle solving because most of the puzzle solving they used in Titanfall was more in the moment, run and do what you're doing, kind of platform puzzle solving, which I actually thought was awesome. The uh, the, the time machine glove or whatever it was that would yes. flick you between is an incredible mission, an incredible level design, and it's super fun. So... It's interesting, but I do hope that they understood that that was an issue and that they've hired people to fix or, you know, essentially be the solution to the lack of direction they had in that regard in the first game. Um, that's not the only thing that came out about Star Wars Jedi this week, but I'm going to refrain from talking about the rest because I don't really know how true it is. And I just think that ultimately, leave it be. Let's talk about the game we got and the game we might be getting. Well, I don't, I don't know. I want to know because I don't know what you're talking about. You didn't hear it? So there were no. some accusations that came out that originally the oh, people behind yeah, the game that. had pushed for wanting a female and or uh, black protagonist mm-hmm. and that it wasn't Disney, but rather response management said, uh, said, well, the movies have that right now. And so we want to do something different than the movies. And so we're going to go the route of Cal Kestis, uh, is, as well is as this some for the other original things, game? apparently. Oops. Yeah, this is for, uh, this is what they wanted to do before they landed on Fallen Order being the game that we got. Okay. Yeah. So do with that information what you will. Um, I don't really know. I, I just don't want to speak to any level of truth because I don't know if there's strictly allegations or if there was something to back up the information. Uh, but regardless, uh, that's not the game we got. And I like Cal Kestis, so I guess yeah, I don't Cal, have to. Cal I don't have to mourn the loss of what could have been because I'm cool with what we got. Yeah, I, I guess that. that's where I'm at with it. Um, so there's that. Uh, last uh, two more things, really. The Warner Brothers dropped a cinematic trailer for its new Smash Brothers style fighter, Multiverses, as you may remember. A closed alpha is open for signups and runs May 19th through the 27th. The full roster has yet to be revealed, but characters confirmed so far include Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, Harley Quinn, Shaggy, Bugs Bunny, Arya Stark, Tom and Jerry, Jake. And Jake the Dog, Finn the Human, Steven Universe, Garnet from, I'm assuming, Steven Universe, and Rain Dog, an original fighter. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, and we'll, we'll, of course, we'll see who continues to be added to the game since this does appear to be their take on a live service fighter game. Uh, something more akin to like uh, Brawlhalla, uh, where they will continue to add people or fighters as they see fit. Um, I didn't get to watch the trailer, but my hope, I remember the original trailer. My hope is that Tom and Jerry 
as I don't think it was clear to me before. I knew they were in the game. Are Tom and Jerry a single character like Ice Climbers? I'm not sure, but I hope so. I just feel like there's so much you can do, or really, it'd be more like a uh, Rosalina and Luma, uh, where you can like use uh, Jerry to basically be the pool. Like you can send him out to do something, which will then make Tom react in a specific way, where he'll go out and try and attack him, and that's how you do damage to enemies. I think you can make a really interesting move set by having them be all the moves are them playing off of each other. Mm-hmm. and kind of being traditional slapstick be really cool um, i agree did you I'd like to see did that. you end up watching the trailer yeah it looks great nice i just like i like i need to go watch it. interacting i'm a big fan of that too i mean i guess there's just something about that idea of uh, even though I, I didn't mind the the story reasons as to why they chose to put these characters together i actually thought it was kind of cool for um, playstation all-stars battle royale but ultimately, I think sometimes people just like characters being together without a reason. Like you don't always have to Marvels and you know Infinity War it up. You, you can just be like, listen, these characters are together. It doesn't really matter why. True. Have a good time with it. You know, I, I don't think that there was. I didn't get to play the game, but I doubt there was any strong foundational reason that they landed on that wasn't just obscure and weird. And hey, we wanted to make a concept happen, so we came up with something for Mortal Kombat versus DC Universe. Do you remember that game? I do. That game's great. Yeah, I never even got to play it, but I watched somebody play it, and I remember seeing it whenever I was at GameStop, and I just never checked it out. But I know people love that game. Uh, Last thing on the news, though, PS3 and Vita received one more update, maybe, we'll see, uh, to deactivate account creation from the systems. This update did not seem to do anything to try and deter hacking or anything like that, or whatever you want to call it, jailbreaking, um, custom firmwares, anything to that degree on these systems, but rather make it to where you cannot create accounts for the PSN on these systems. And that once you go to log into your PSN account on these systems, you have to essentially log in with a console token where you've got to log in on a website. It provides a token and you enter the token in your PlayStation and it holds on to it as a means of better security than what the PS3 and Vita actually offer. It's kind of interesting. I don't know, Chris, have you done that yet? So that you, I guess you have, because I've been seeing you online. I'm sorry, repeat the question. Have you actually had to do the login where you have to scan the QR code with your phone, get the oh, code yeah. and then enter it in? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah I did that it was a weird ago. extra step. Yeah. I don't, I don't love it, but Hey, I had to do it whenever I told you I was comparing infamous for, you know, uh, just for science purposes because <laughs> I wanted to. Um, and I was like, this is interesting. Also, you remember how I told you I wanted to see if Infamous looked better on this little th- uh, this little 32-inch 1080p TV? Yes. Or, if, or if, dude, it looks significantly worse than my really? 27-inch 1440p monitor. monitor. This is okay. just a cheap, bad TV. <laughs> it does not have good upscaling. It doesn't have anything. And it, Infamous 1 looked so bad on it. When I moved the... I kept the system where it was and just moved the uh, HDMI cord to my monitor and it inf- instantly looked so much better. Cleaner, a lot less aliasing and jagged edges, way better colors. I was like, this is crazy how much better this looks. So that's why I've landed on all PS3 playing I do is going to be on this 27-inch monitor back here. Nice. That's a good quite call. quite okay with that. Part of me still wants to go and see what it looks like on my OLED just to compare. But we will see. All right, that is the end of the news. Um, I know that we didn't really discuss this ahead of time. 
So we get to give that out to the show for them to get an idea on. Is there anything that you guys kind of want to bring to the head of this and have be a main topic? Or do we kind of want to circle back around and ask the community what they think about Abandoned? Or do you think we should just let Abandoned go? Because <laughs> I know some people are just to that point where they're done with Abandoned, you know? Uh, yeah, yeah. I kind of liked the idea of Abandoned as a as a topic in a weird way. But at the same time... What is there really left to say other than just clowning on it? I mean, at this point, it's it's literally just a question of does any like of the people out there who believes it's a, it's still a viable product that will one day see the light of day, or who believes that it's just always been to some degree more or less. I don't want to call it a scam because if you actually look, one of the things that's purported by the leaker is that the game is being developed. Not necessarily as a thing to get fans excited more so than it is to create a product that they can then sell to get a little bit more money to hopefully the people that are interested in it, more so they can present that game to investors so that they can get money to create the actual game that they're wanting to make. So Abandoned is just a prologue to the actual game they want to make. And that's what he said on... Uh, if we if we want to believe Hassan, that's what he said whenever he was on uh, the Collins Last Stand episode uh, that Chris had sent to me and was a very interesting, odd listen. Um, so if we take that to it, it's like, do we believe that he's making this game with strictly financing to make the game he really wants to make in mind? Or is he making this game with that and wanting to make a good, short experience that's cheap, $14.99 or less? in mind like what's he really doing what's his end game and i think that's what some people are kind of hit or miss on is people think this is vaporware strictly but vaporware like what are you drumming up are you drumming up interest for investors because i'm pretty sure no normal investor at this point is going to come to you and be like hey this absolutely terrible pr job you've done has made us so interested in funding this game you want to make <laughs> at this point, the only way you're really going to drum up interest and really get an investor to maybe take you serious is to finish a product that is good enough that enough people buy it, that it stirs up a little bit of internet, like word of mouth does a little bit of good form. It's not completely crapped on. And he has a product that he can show to show that with the right funding, they would be capable of making something more. Yeah. That's the only way I see abandoned turning into a viable product at this point. Or they get picked it up being by vaporware and not really being made. Yeah. Hideo Kojima, they, they decide to buy Blue Box and he takes <laughs> over as creative director for Zero Cell. He's so impressed that he's so impressed <laughs> with the dialogue. He says, "He says, wow, this is exactly like something I would write. I, knew I you would were just direct say that. it way better than you." Cuts deep. <laughs> wow. Listen, I absolutely adore Death Stranding. Death Stranding has some of the most on-the-nose writing I've ever experienced, and yet it's still amazing. There's even a Mario True. reference in there. Do with that what you will. Princess Beach, <laughs> baby. Uh, all right, so do you guys want to wrap it up or uh, do you want to delve a little deeper in anything? Uh, I mean, the only thing I could think we could even talk about is the uh, Bethesda stuff. That feels almost like now, that, this sounds really insulting, but that sounds almost like talking about abandoned stuff. That's a little bit of a three legged dog, isn't it? Like, it's a little easy to make well, fun of. Let me Let me at least get a little more information. So, when you're talking about Bethesda, 
what is your what is your thought process around what you want to discuss with Bethesda in general? Can I can I wager a guess that it's how Bethesda and therefore Microsoft seem currently unable to really nail down a release of a game? Or do you want to strictly talk about Bethesda and what you feel about that? I'm just more curious where you're going. And the reason I bring the first uh, one up is I've seen a lot of people around the internet talking about Bethesda being handled this way is more signs of some of the issues that can come from just buying up talent um, as I Xbox mean, has done. The when thing Xbox is, I already has a long history of yeah. having issues getting games out. But go ahead. I didn't necessarily have a topic about it. I just think that a lot of the people seem to feel like they need to talk about this delay, you know, and I just don't. I think I saw it coming. I think everybody saw it coming. I think the second they I had think if the, you didn't, you're date. not paying attention. Do I? That that would be if, the best way I could say it, Chris. Yeah, go ahead, say it again. No, just that if you didn't think this was coming, you're not paying attention. Oh yeah, because like Brett said, it was a date set only for marketing, which is the same reason that Elder Scrolls was announced was so that people didn't think they were only making live service games. Now you know what I mean. Yeah. And I, I don't even know why that matters. Show Starfield only. Why would you could why would you put two games that are years and years and years away instead of putting one game that's years away, but saying we wanted to show and talk to you about this now because it's our first IP in over a decade, well over a decade, and we want you guys to be aware that we are taking step into uncharted territory for us. And it means that we're going to be a little quieter than you may have expected from us. Typically we're going to be heads down on this, but this is the type of game. I think messaging is everything. And I think they completely botched messaging on Starfield. And I don't think I don't, even though I was excited in the moment, I don't think there was any reason to even bring up the Elder Scrolls six when no one knows that they don't really know what it is. Like, you know, they're so wrapped up in Starfield as they should be that. Why did you even bother? Why not just say Starfield's what we're talking about? We're only showing you because this is a very new direction from us. You've never seen us do a new IP since we really rose to fame as a console as well as PC beloved publisher and studio that has put out such games as the beloved Oblivion, the beloved Skyrim, the one of the best selling games of all time, Fallout 4, one of the best selling games of all time. That, I feel like, is how you control that statement. Get to put out that you're make, working on something so that then you have an excuse to be quiet. But do you know why I think it even happened? There's this insistence from Bethesda at the time that they wanted to have their own E3 press conferences. And they felt like they didn't have enough heavy hitters without having things that were mentioned specifically from Bethesda game studios and i think what ended up happening is that they felt like they needed to talk about both of those so that there was big announcements from two you know two big announcements from one beloved studio and that every subsequent year they could talk about those games as much as they chose to tease them show a new trailer and they would always have something to show from bethesda game studios instead of only doing starfield saying hey we're going to be quiet but then maybe the next e3 you do come out and go guys listen because this is a new IP and we're doing new stuff, we're going to be open and transparent with you guys. We're going to show you what the game's looking like now. We're going to give you a sweet, a, a little section of what we're looking at, what we're thinking of. And we want you, you know, we, we want to look at people's feedback on this and be able to use that to inform the way we continue to delve into this project. There's plenty of ways to do it where you can show the game and people won't expect to see it 
soon. But I think when you show the game and act like you've got everything under control, and then you also show off the Elder Scrolls Six, people start having this expectation of like, so where's the thing that you felt so confident in? Yeah. That's fair. I don't know. I think they just get reactionary sometimes, like I said. I think the fault the Elder Scrolls, like despite everything you're saying, I really think it's strictly about doing um making people realize that yeah 76 was not great but that's not all we do now you know yeah sure i just still think starfield accomplishes that you say right then and there this is a traditional single player open world bethesda style mmo or not mmo sorry (laughs) bethesda style rpg um and that's how you kind of you give people that feeling right there like trust me Fallout 76 was an interesting thing that we're glad to have partaken in, but that's not the typical games we like to make, and it was an experiment for us that we're glad that we've done and we'll continue to support, but we still know our original DNA, and we want to make games to that, and here's our next step in that. Um, yeah. I just, but, I don't know. I mean, do you do you really think that the delay, do you think the delay comes from them feeling like they really anticipated to be able to hit this date originally, or even close to no. it? Or do you think it's always been that they've known this game was really far out and they've just been trying to play this game of being able to act like it's not that far? And then when not that far gets close, they go, well, a little further than that. And then when that gets close again, they go, yeah, you know, a little further That's than that. That's most AAA studios, I feel like, right now, though. Where they're playing yeah. that game of like, oh, yeah, you'll have it within the next 11 months. And then by month eight, they're like, well kind of thing of like let's push well, it back another we talked about six months it's like we talked about with prince of persia sands of time remake how did that game have a release date at initial reveal and now yeah. we are more than a year past that original release date mm-hmm. and the game has not even been seen again yep how does that happen how do you come with a reveal trailer with such confidence to include a date just to back off and say, no, never mind, we can't? And I know they had to change scope and scale because it wasn't as much as they wanted, but I guess that's my thing of like, I don't get this obsession. Like, I appreciate that they showed the game off with a release date. And honestly, I would have had a little bit more. They'd, to me, they would have had balls if they released the game exactly as it looked, a strict remake to what it is. And just said, we're going to release it on this release date because this is what we wanted to do. We felt like this was a level of, of attention and love we wanted to give a remake of this classic property. And either it's enough for you or it's not. Um, I don't know. I just I think in terms of that, I bet they Ubisoft was like this team. The, 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 the team probably came to them with the pitch. And Ubisoft took their word on the fact they could get it done by the release date they set they're probably like this is what we've done we can get it done by the by this date and then they failed and now they've committed to it and i think it's a good thing to do so they're I like think it is well, as well i guess we're There's delaying some, there were some interesting reports that came out this week about it uh about how originally the person who was over pune and pune pune maybe i think is what somebody said it's actually pronounced as i don't i don't know so if i'm if i'm butchering it i'm sorry but pune and mumbai uh, the person who was originally over those studios who set this up and, and set the timeline and everything has apparently been moved. He's no longer over those studios. Um, apparently, they shopped the game out away from those studios without announcing it to a uh, 
a completely separate non-Ubisoft owned studio. And then they have moved it once again. Apparently Pune and Mumbai were doing quality control and that was originally what their studio did. And apparently they were were re-relegated to that. Uh, whenever the game was sourced out yet again. And now that it's coming back in to play at uh, Ubisoft Montreal, it's like the game's kind of shifting and restarting development to some degree all over again. Um, It does seem like it's a lot of mismanagement and like whoever it was that promised that, uh, promised too much. But there was apparently other things, like uh, they were being essentially, they were being pushed to use much like a lot of EA studios were with Frostbite, they were being pushed to use Assassin's Creed Origins engine, the Anvil engine from uh, Assassin's Creed. And they were being, essentially what they were saying is they were being told to translate animations from the original game and the original Prince's slender build to essentially Bayek's bulky body from Origins and try and make those work. And I will say, if you look at the the gameplay that's there and even the art they chose to use, if you look at the original art, the prince is like real slender but cut. And in this new one, he's kind of big and bulky. So I think that there's probably a good amount of truth to that. Uh, and there's just been a lot of uh, fumbled handling of this. We saw a lot of EA games when you're being forced to use an engine that doesn't really make sense just to avoid licensing costs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it can create some issues. Um it seems like so many studios now are just saying like, if we don't have a reasonable, if you as a, as a studio don't already have your own reasonable proprietary engine that you can make your game with and work around, then we're just going to use Unreal Engine 5. That's what I, it seems like that's what this generation is coming to. And I don't think that that's a problem necessarily. Mm-hmm. Uh, so long as we don't get that, do you guys remember PS3 360 era when you definitely could look at a game and you knew it was Unreal 3? You remember those days? Yeah, when it was brown and shiny. Like every game was brownie green, like brownish green. They were shiny. Almost all character models were like strangely muscular. They were bulky. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And you were like, okay, Batman Arkham series looks like you took the guys from Gears of War and put them on the streets of God. They were on a diet of like <laughs> grilled chicken breast and creatine, but they didn't lift weights. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, Saul. I think you know what game I'm talking about. And Chris, I think you do too. Um, Alice Madness Returns yep. was an Unreal Engine 3 game that there was like an entire documentary of them talking about, uh, of Crazy Horse talking about how much work they had to do to try their best to make the game not look like an Unreal 3 game. Like they were like, we tried so hard. <laughs> It did so much different things to try and make it to where you could not tell we were using this industry standard thing because we wanted a stylized look. And even though this engine was easy, it wasn't easy to get the exact art style we wanted out of it. Um, Unreal Engine 5 seems a little more flexible than that, and I hope that that's the case because I definitely don't want to start feeling like games are real homogenous again. So yeah, we'll definitely I see agree. what comes that's up. A weird, that was a weird era of that generation, I think. Yeah. yeah, I almost goes, wonder Brown if Prince gray. of Persia. <laughs> I almost wonder if Prince of Persia going back into uh, Montreal partially had to do with them wanting the game, and the game that's already d- developed that they're trying to improve on has been developed in Anvil so far. I wonder if the idea there was Montreal is used to developing within Anvil, 
let's give the game back to them. They were the original people behind it anyway. Maybe there's still some creative people who would like to be involved with this. And they'll be able to most quickly speed through development of a game using this proprietary engine. Um, Because, you know, it's it's not like they're using Dunya engine from Far Cry. It's not like they're using the Snowfall engine from um, The Division that Avatar is going to use. Um, So... For it to fall on that, it seems like it's going back to a studio that's used to using that engine. Um, so we'll see. I don't know. It's engine stuff is real weird. It, it makes me think of like how much quicker would every Frostbite engine game that had to be developed for Frostbite have been if they were just like, all right, Dice, just to please develop these games. <laughs> like if they Dice, you have twenty studios now. <laughs> you have twenty teams. Please develop the next FIFA, the next Madden. <laughs> <laughs> the next Need for Speed, Anthem, and the next Dragon Age. Please do all of those, and we will uh, we will come back to you. Because uh, I don't know if you remember hearing about those. A lot of those games had like um, liaisons from Dyson, uh, from Dyson, from Dice, who would <laughs> from Dice who would essentially come <laughs> and be like, "If you're having problems with the engine, we're going to try and help you make sense of the problem and see if we can help you find a way to build." what you need to make it work or if there's anything that we already have that might help you getting it working quicker. So seems like management gets in the way of games development real often. What? What? That what? is crazy. Look at that. <laughs> I can do a Florence Pugh impression. Look, I'm so proud of you. All right, guys. <laughs> well, I think uh, unless any of y'all want to say anything else about that and, and Bethesda, I mean, I think we can wrap this show up. Yeah, no, I'm pretty good. Yeah, I agree. It's been right. a good show. Cool. Well, guys, we appreciate you. And Saul has a special place in this show, giving the rigmarole of the outro. So, Saul, thanks for joining me. Chris, thanks for joining me. As usual, you guys are great. And, Saul, of take course. us away. Sure. So, for those that don't know, you can find us on a good little amount of websites. You can find us over at Twitter at Triangle SQRD. We have a Discord, as we mentioned before, where if you want to come chit-chat, hang out, be our guest. You can find that in the description below. We have a Facebook group, Triangle Square to PlayStation Podcasts. Public group, ask to join and you'll be granted access. And then, of course, we have Patreon, in which for just as little as a dollar a month, you can help support the show when Chris needs a tripod for his camera, which he desperately does, um, <laughs> or whenever I need something or Brett needs something, something for the show, it's never personal for us. It'll be there for us, and we greatly appreciate that. So um, perks on the stuff is pretty kooky crazy right now, but uh, yeah, you get at least a cool name in Discord, and uh, you get to know that, that you're helping us grow as a show. That warm feeling in your heart a, that you supported yeah. a small homegrown show. It's a nice uh, <laughs> feeling. It feels like um, Unreal Engine 3. Feels like mom's cooking. And uh, <laughs> So, yes. And feels of course, like Unreal Engine 3. You can find us across all podcast services, uh, Spotify, YouTube, uh, pretty much it, where you consume podcasts, we're there. If we're not, if you find something we're hidden in the depths of, or we're not hidden in the depths of, let us know we'll get on it. So, thank you all for joining us with episode 261, and we will be back for episode 262. 
Yay. Uh, thank you guys. And a huge shout out to our patrons, Aztec King, Lechion69, The Lord Corgi, Salvador Garcia, Ham and Egger, Bailey Robertson, Rob Warpoint, Mark Schutz, Cypher Primus, Jason Clendenning, Kyle Grimm, Rude Days 93, Joshua Lago, Kevin Bacon Bits, Luke Rabbit, Danny Villiobos, Jehudi MD, Sean, Josh Ayers, Derek Porter, Constantly Kenny, Matthew Green, Sean Sanderud, Steven Salazar, Shadowist, and my name is Dan. Thank you all. We'll see you next week. Gentlemen and lady, soon we shall embrace the power of our creation. With this, we shall rise. We will dominate. Is it ready yet? Patience, my friend. Patience. Everything is according to plan. <laughs> yep. Will it work? Yep. <laughs> huh, of course. <laughs> what is it? C- can we really trust this thing? This is a zero cell. <laughs> yep. Zero cell? That's right! Zero Cell is a bioweapon, perfectly engineered by AI computer simulations in real time, calling it the real-time experience. Hidden inside computer electronics distributed worldwide, Project Blue Box fueled the strength of these simulations. In other words, the more people who used computer electronics with the Blue Box AI simulations embedded on them, the more powerful the creation of Zero Cell got. Blue Box, huh? Project Blue Box is founded by Team 74. Team 74? (laughs) Team 74, kid! (laughs) Was a top secret association of the world's top scientists in all fields gathered by the government of the United States in 1974. Together, they founded Project Blue Box and prepared for the creation of Zero Cell. The creation of Zero Cell was nothing more than a computer program, creating another computer program by itself. But with Blue Box, this computer program went further and installed computer programs on humans, calling it the Human AI. This powerful weapon eliminates human targets by their weaknesses. Fear. 